this morning and was greeted by the sunrise. I made a simple meal and enjoyed a moment of peace and stillness. traveling to work today and I arrived safely I spent most of the day at my job doing the same familiar tasks that greet me every day the work that provides for my needs I took a walk in the park received a smile from a stranger. I picked up a few groceries. I spoke with my parents. And then I met a friend for coffee. I turned on the radio in my car. I sent a message to someone a thousand miles away. I washed my clothing. I returned home. A very ordinary day. Everything I've experienced today could be considered unremarkable, but they are all profound blessings, the fingerprints of your hand. Help me to grasp the wonder in the small and the simple, to notice the miracles which surround me constantly, to see the beauty in the commonplace and take nothing for granted. Teach me to make gratitude a lifestyle, one which flows into love, rejoicing, and thankfulness. Every moment that I draw breath,
Thank you, Linda and Sharon. We appreciate all their effort, don't we? They've been playing instruments for a couple of years now. And uh, <laughs> I don't even know how long. As long as I've been at Springville Road in here, it, it's been amazing just to see over the years how God has brought in so much talent. There's so much talent for a small congregation. And, and we really, really appreciate it. Uh, the effort that you guys make. Well, happy Thanksgiving. Um, it's coming this week. If you're not ready, you better get ready. Um, we love all the turkey we can get, all the cranberry sauce. I love canned cranberry sauce. And if you haven't gone that direction, pray about it. <laughs> it's really good. Just a little bit of canned cranberry sauce all over that dressing and we lived in the north. They had stuffing. It was disgusting. I mean, it's just <laughs> bottom line. If you're from the north, I'm sorry, but <laughs> just the way it is. Um, it's good to be here today. It's good to see you guys. Um, there's a member in our congregation who has not been able to be here for some time now because of a surgery he had. I was with Scott this last week. And uh, visiting with him, and he wanted me to communicate to you guys just how much he appreciates all the prayers and the cards. And he said that there's just so many of them. He's you know he's using his fingers like this. There's just a stack of cards from so many people in the body and even outside of this uh, local body that are writing him and encouraging him. And uh, he sent me a little note this morning. Because I told him, I said, you're going to have to remind me that you want me to do this because something happens between like a Thursday and a Sunday, a lot of things actually. And uh, my memory's not necessarily as good as it used to be, but he wrote this down. He says, I've never seen so many people respond to the prayer needs of a fellow believer as did our church. We are truly blessed to be a member of a congregation with such love and concern for its brothers and sisters. I love all of you and thank you with all of my heart, Scott. So that's for you guys uh, this morning. And we don't want to forget him. And, and I've been out visiting those that are shut in. And there's so many that just can't be here that want you to know how much they appreciate your prayers and concerns. I was with Lynn Jones the other day and Billy Nellums. There's just so many that um, think of you and pray for you. And you don't, you're maybe not even aware of it. So... We thank the Lord for uh, Scott's recovery. It's going in the right direction now, and you keep praying uh, for him. I have a passage I was going to read, and I did not know about I don't select the videos. Ron does all that. Um, but it's the same passage I'm going to read, and I was down there sitting in the front going, well, I'm going to get another one. I'm like, no, I'm not. This is what the Spirit led me to read, and I'm going to read it. So um, hopefully I can encourage you twice with the same scripture. But I'd like you to stand as we read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. It's just set in the context of personal conduct. That's always fun to read, right? Those sections of personal conduct. Don't you just want to go right to those? <laughs> this is how we need to behave as believers well, that's kind of what he's talking about to these guys. And there are a trilogy of truths here that are so profound and 
Um, it's, it's hard instruction. It really is. I mean, when you, when you look at the content of what he's saying, it's very difficult. And I would say without the Spirit of God, impossible. So aren't we thankful we have the Spirit of God that resides in us, that gives us the ability somehow to glorify God through our life? So he says, verse 16, rejoice always. The key word there being always. Pray without ceasing. The key phrase there, without ceasing. And in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Um, and that you there is plural. That's for every single person in the church. So as you think about these verses this week, I would encourage you to do something. Before you eat that turkey and dive into that cranberry sauce that's canned, read to your family these verses. There are a lot of things that we sometimes look at in terms of Scripture and we go, I'm not quite sure what, what's going on here, but and you, you can't say that here. We're quite sure what's going on. And then Paul's trying to encourage these guys. And you know, this comes off of the context back in chapter 4 when he tells them, hey, the Lord's going to come get us one day. So when you think about it in that big context, knowing the Lord's going to get us one day, then maybe this rejoicing always and this praying always and then everything giving thanks always is something that, hey, we can look at with not a temporary perspective but an eternal perspective. So I just encourage you to think about these verses as you're going through your week and as you're gathering with your family and friends on Thursday. Maybe just take a moment. And read that. And hear from your children. If you have children. I love to hear from children on Thanksgiving. What they're thankful for. Now they're going to maybe go off in some areas. You're going to go, oh, what are they? But we did the same thing when we were that small. But as, as examples. As examples. As parents and grandparents. Let's share with them. Truly what we have to be thankful for. In knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I want to welcome everyone here this morning. During Thanksgiving, there's lots of travel that goes on. And uh, if you're visiting with us today, we're thrilled you're here. I'm glad you can be a part of our service today. And uh, for those in our congregation who are traveling, we want to pray for them and lift them up as they're going different places to see their families. So why don't we bow, let's pray, and commit the service to the Lord. Well, Lord, we don't have an excuse because we see it right in the text. You told the church at Thessalonica through the Apostle Paul to rejoice always. And we can have joy in you always because you never change. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And while the situations that we're in sometimes are painful, very painful, um, we can rejoice, Lord, knowing that you know our pain. Um, you know everything that's going on. And so um, we just want to say thank you for that. And then you tell us, Lord, that we're to pray without ceasing. And I believe that's an attitude of dependence that we're to have on you continually. And we live in a culture, Lord, where that, that's uh, attitude of dependence. I'm not sure how that goes for all of us all the time. But I think at large there's the mindset that I'll come to you when I need you. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to come to you always and just enjoy the fellowship that we can have with you on a daily basis as Christians. And then, Lord, you, you tell us to 
and everything give thanks. And, and then you close this with, this is the will of God. And so, um, for them, in their circumstance, in Thessalonica, you had this carved out for them to not only read, but to meditate on, to think about, and then to apply. So I, I pray that by your Spirit, you would help us in these areas. And Lord, help us, we pray this morning, as we worship you, help us to, um, Lord, just open up to you this morning and give you praise because you're the only one worthy of it. And Lord, help us to um, have hearts that are clean this morning. I pray, Lord, that we've examined ourselves before we've come to this point. And if we haven't, we do that because we want to be clean vessels before you as we worship you in spirit and truth. And may you be honored, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, church. Great to see everybody this morning. You can remain standing. As our time of worship begins this morning, I want to just open with a, a couple of verses from Job, Job 1. And the stage for, that we're setting here for Job is he's just found out that he's lost everything. He's lost his family, his possessions, anything the world would consider valuable. Um, he's lost it all. And they come in, they tell him, and it says in uh, Job 1.20, it says that this Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head, and then he fell to the ground and worshipped. You just heard he lost everything. What did he do? He falls to the ground in worship. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And if you flip over to Job 19, we get a little insight into how and why Job was able to have that reaction to this terrible news. It says in Job 19, 25, I know that my Redeemer lives. And that in the end he will stand on the earth, and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. So Job was looking forward, right? And he knew, he believed God and his promises. We look back. We look back to a cross. We look back to an empty tomb. And because of what Christ has done, we can say with Job, blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Let's worship the Lord. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glory. Blessed be your 
Thank you. 
guys can be seated. them to do that song a couple more before I get up here it's hard to heart gets full doesn't it when you think about he canceled my debt and he calls me his friend there's a man that walks on Deerfoot Parkway all the time. He wears a bandana and he walks like this and he walks 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 and he walks. You ever thought about how familiar he is with every step he takes? A lot of the times he's looking down. Have you ever noticed that? A lot of the times. Walking and walking and walking and walking and walking and walking. I've oftentimes wanted to stop and ask him if he was going to walk to heaven one day. I don't know why he does what he does, but he does it. And you'd have to say he does it faithfully. Because it doesn't matter, rain or shine. We don't have a lot of sleet and snow here, but sleet and snow, cold, hot, he's walking. I guess it was a few weeks ago that the Lord put on my heart the subject of walking with the Lord. And if you're going to ask me where this series is going to go, I have one answer. I don't know. You know, I know guys who prep their sermons for a whole year. I'm not sure how they do that. That's unfamiliar to me. One of the conclusions that I've come to in my life as a Christian is that my walk with the Lord can always be better. I'm not talking about yours. Talking about mine. Walking with the Lord is something that I think, by definition, it's kind of hard to put in words. What does it mean to walk with the Lord? Human relationships, I've walked with Teresa for 36 years. She's already asleep. <laughs> 36 years. Longer than that, but I'm just counting from the day we were married. You get to know people, don't you, when you live with them for a long time. She knows a lot about me. In fact, there's only one that knows me better, and that's the Lord. But as I was thinking about my walk with my wife in 36 years, 
Um, I remember the night that I got married and Malcolm Cooper, before he walked into the sanctuary, he said, this is your last chance. (laughs) And he didn't mean to walk in. He meant to walk away. (laughs) But I remember that night and I remember the vows that we took and man, I was young, 20 years old. I had no idea what I was doing. But I knew I loved Teresa. And I knew I wanted to spend my life with her. And I was surprised she wanted to spend a life with me. But she said yes as well. So we entered the relationship on June 21st, 1985. And we began to fellowship. And we've been fellowshipping ever since. And over that period of time, she's got to know me and I've got to know her. So I was thinking, okay, there was some point in time you could look back in your life and you could point to that day when you came into relationship with the Lord. You remember that day? And then fellowship started. How's that looked in your life? How's your fellowship with the Lord been? That's a different way of asking about one's walk. I remember being challenged with this particular subject when I was 13 years old. I was saved when I was seven. But I remember we had a man who was serving as associate pastor. And I remember specifically him asking us at this student kind of teen conference How's your walk with the Lord? I thought, Dave, what are you talking about? I, I just I didn't have an understanding of that at that age. I didn't I had no comprehension of what it meant to, to walk with the Lord. I knew him. I trusted him as my Savior when I was seven years of age. I knew I was a sinner. I was convinced of that at an early age. He just followed me around. I was a big sinner. And I knew that. And the Spirit convicted me of my sin, and I trusted in Christ and Him alone for salvation. But this fellowship thing was a new idea to me. Walking with the Lord, I didn't quite understand what He was saying. But by the end of the night, I was like, whoa, I'm not doing those things. Now, I know Him, but that walking with Him and the language that He's using, I'm like, that's new. I'm certain my pastor preached it. I'm quite certain I didn't listen a whole lot. But it was the first night that the Holy Spirit brought it to my attention. Hey, Thad, you can walk with the Lord every day. So when we think about this concept of walking with the Lord, I don't want you to cross your arms and think, well, I've got all that down, or I don't really need a brush up on that. I'm good. I've got it worked out with God. I walk with Him when I want to walk with Him. That makes sense? The first time the word walk, any form of it is used, it's used in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. After Adam sinned. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 3, In verse 8, they heard, who's they? Adam and Eve. (laughs) 
They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves. They had never done that before. This was new. They hid themselves. Why did they hide themselves? Answer, sin, shame. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. You know, we hide. Did you know that? Did you know that you hide and I hide? When we're walking in sin, which happens to believers, when we're off the path and we're in darkness, what do we hide from? Answer, truth. Truth, don't we? Who wants to be presented with the truth? (laughs) When you're walking in darkness. Except the first time the word is used in the Bible. The second time the word walk is used, you'll need to turn over to Genesis chapter 5 to see that. And we're going to get there, so don't lose heart. Um, It won't be right away. The word walk, I think we need to understand it. The word walk in the, New, in the Old Testament is used also not of literally just walking like I'm doing right now, but it's used in the Old Testament figuratively to speak of one walking in the ways of the Lord. What was God's desire for Israel? That they would do what? Walk in His ways. Was the Lord clear about the ways they were to walk in? Answer, yes. Psalm 81, 13. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. If you're going to walk in the ways of the Lord, then you're going to need to be close to the Lord. They go together. In Psalm 119, which the elders are currently reading through, um, you know in that chapter there's 176 verses. And one of our elders introduced it to us last month. And so just this past meeting we read 40 more verses. (laughs) We're going to make it through there. But in Psalm 119, verse 35, he says, Make me walk. Now, I don't know if that strikes you, but it struck me. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Make me do it. Can I tell you that we have an advantage in our walk? Being members of the church. Where in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon men. Do you know... For the believer, the Holy Spirit has taken up at the point of salvation residence where? In you. (laughs) Wow. So we have the help that we need. We have the advantage. In fact, in John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, in the context of Christ right before the cross, he's talking to his disciples, his followers, and he says, I will ask the Father... 
and he will give you another helper. And he doesn't mean a different kind. That he may be with you how long? Forever. That is the spirit of truth. There's another advantage. Not only does the helper live in us as we walk, but the helper is the spirit of truth. And so what's he going to lead us in? Class, truth. There is so much error out in our world today. There are literally churches not folding up the tent, but folding up the scriptures and closing them. Can you imagine that? It's happening all around us. Instead of walking in the ways of the Lord, they're saying we don't need Him. We want to govern our own lives. Is that happening in the church today? It is. It's sad. I wouldn't have very much to tell you if I didn't have this book. You probably wouldn't sit there. You'd be like, see ya. So the spirit of truth, he's going to lead us into all the truth. Whom the world cannot receive. Wow, that's, that's a pretty, pretty huge statement. Because it does not see him or know him. But you know him, Christ is saying, because he abides with you. And will be in you. So in essence, the Lord is saying to his disciples at a time when he's just told them, Hey, I'm about to leave and where I'm going, you can't come now. And they're all panicky, right? You would be too. He says, look, I've been with you, but I'm going to be in you. In Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God began to enter into the hearts of men. Have you thought about that advantage? Much. I think it's a subject the church ought to be a little more familiar with. The word is also used figuratively, the word walk, in the Old Testament to describe an individual's continuing communion or fellowship with the Lord. Okay, so there's a little bit of difference. As we walk with the Lord, we're going to make decisions about what we do and what we don't do. That's part of it. But there's a part of it that's just strictly communion with the Lord. Which all of us probably could do better at. That's the idea of the word walk in the Old Testament as well as communion with the Lord. When I thought about this particular concept, I couldn't help but think about the verse in James chapter 4 verse 8. Do you know what that verse says? Draw near to God and he will do what? Draw near to you. So where does the action begin? With us. Draw near to God. 
That's what he's telling those believers. You draw near to the Lord and he'll draw near to you. Chuck Swindoll, who I really like. If you haven't read anything by Chuck Swindoll, buy a book, read it. He's got lots of them. Look what he says here. Our tendency in this age is to increase our speed, to run faster, even in the Christian life. In the process, our walk with God stays shallow. And our tank runs low on fumes. Intimacy offers a full tank of fuel that can only be found by pulling up closer to God, which requires taking necessary time and going to the effort to make that happen. So if I ask you the question, when did you enter into relationship with God through Jesus Christ you would be able to tell me that? And how has your walk been with the Lord since that point? How's the intimacy with the Lord? There's intimacy in my relationship with Teresa. I pull up close to her, she pulls up close to me. Is that the way it's supposed to be? In a marriage, answer, yes. Where does marriage tend to go awry when they're not pulling up close? And you know what happens? Bricks are laid in relationships. And a couple would be able to point back for me to the day they got married. But if I ask them the question, how's the fellowship been since that day? How's that walk going? That intimacy... And by the way, intimacy is not just sexual intimacy. Just to kind of throw that out there for you. I mean, there's emotional intimacy. There's conversational intimacy. You tell things to your husband or wife, you don't say to anybody else. True? So, this intimacy that we need this drawing close to God that we need, it takes time. It requires a sacrifice on our parts. And I almost don't like to use that word, sacrifice, because we ought to long to pull up close to the Lord. Chuck Swindoll says at the end of that quote, which requires taking necessary time and going to the effort to make that happen. Husbands, if you're going to pull up close to your wives, you've got to put forth the effort to make that happen. Wives, if you're going to pull up close to your husbands, you've got to make the effort. It's the same in our Fellowship with the Lord. It requires time. I wasn't presented that until I was a 13-year-old young man. But I know this. I remember walking out. I remember exactly where I was. 
I was at Lake Charles Bible Church. We were sitting in the fellowship hall. This guy's standing in front, and he starts talking about this walking with the Lord. And I'm like, man, what in the Lord are you talking about? He talked about the time piece and that involvement. So how does that look in your life? I'm just going to throw that question out. How would you describe your daily walk with the Lord today? What would be the words that you would use to describe that? I've been saved for 50 years. I would say I've been walking with the Lord since I was 13. My walk's like this. And then I'm... And then I'm... Any of you like that at all? And that fellowship. That's kind of how marriage is, isn't it? There's peaks, there's valleys. You're looking for steady. I'll tell you one thing, just for measurement's sake. If we're not opening this book on a regular basis, that intimacy, mm, that's going to be rough. Peter sure seemed to enjoy time with the Lord, didn't he? But you remember that fellowship piece for him went awry when he what? He sinned. Aren't we glad for grace? So I want you to think about that question. There's another question that I have for you. Walking away from the Lord or with the Lord? There's a lot of discussion today in terms of the sanctification of a believer, the daily walk of the believer. and I want, I want to set you free about something. On this side of glory, our walk is not going to be perfect. Why? Because we sin. We sin. We make the decisions in our walk to sin. We do. The older I get, and I'm not sure where you are, I'm just talking about me. The older I get, the more familiar I am with my sin. I already know the areas that I struggle in. I don't have to have anybody point them out. You know who's faithful to point them out? The Lord. Those whom he loves, he does what? He chastens. Man, when I met with with my sin, I I just, I mean, we're singing that song, right? And, And I'm thinking, yes, free, free, forever I'm free. I get that. I'm in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and I am free. The debt has been paid in full, and I stand righteous because of Jesus Christ and Him alone. I get that. And that can't be canceled. Amen? Right? But this, from that day that I said, yes, Lord, to the day He comes for me, 
well, I'm walking with him or I'm not. And in the last, I don't know how many weeks, the Lord's brought me to this subject and it's like, this is heavy stuff. This is not just something we can go, well, that was a, you know, we had a talk today. What did y'all do today? Well, we talked about walking with the Lord. No, this is big. This is huge. This is something that demands and deserves our attention. Well, he was born 57 years after Adam's death. (laughs) So I'm doing this research. I'm like, wow, that's interesting. He walked off the earth with the Lord 69 years before Noah's birth. He's one of my most favorite characters in the Bible. I just look at him and I marvel. I I just, wow, Lord, this guy was unusual. Because from Adam to Enoch... There's seven generations, and there's some things here that aren't said about these others that are said about him. And I don't know. That's just what the Bible tells us. I found it interesting, though, and I got to point this out. And I don't know if, if um, what you'll do with this. And I'm still trying to do something with it myself, so, hey, we'll be in the same boat. Look back in Genesis chapter 4. At the end of the chapter. Verse 25. It says, Adam had relations with his wife again. And she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. For she said, God has appointed me another offspring in the place of Abel. For Cain killed him. To Seth... To him also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. And then, look at this phrase. And then men began to do what? Call upon the name of the Lord. I was just, you know, I'm one of those weird guys that looks at every phrase, and I'm like, man, that's, that's, that's interesting to me. And then you come to the generations here, the descendants of Adam, And you go through all the way from Adam down to Jared. And the Bible tells us something. They were born, and they lived, and they what? Wow. (laughs) People are born today, they live today, and they die. I'm like, well, hey, that's been going on a long time. They're born, they live, they die. But when you get to Enoch, it's like, whoa. Something's happened. Because there's more said about him than any of these. We're given a window into this man's life, and it's like, there's a lot to consider here. In fact, so much so that this is only part one. Next week's part two.
But when you come down to verse 18 of Genesis chapter 5, it says, Jared lived 162 years and became the father of Enoch. And Jared lived 800 years after he became the father of Enoch, and he had other sons and daughters. By the way, that's a phrase that occurs over and over again as well. So all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. Young guy. <laughs> then it says, Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of who? Methuselah, the longest living human we have on biblical record. And then it says... At the end of verse 22, he had other sons and daughters. But between that, there's something really heavy there. Something new. If you're looking down in the genealogy, this is new. It says, Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah. And he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch, verse 24, walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. Two times in three verses, it says Enoch walked with God. Anytime you see repetition in Scripture, you just have to stop. Because we see the repetition of life and death, life and death, life and death, sons and daughters, sons and daughters, sons and daughters. We come here to Enoch. It doesn't say he walked with the Lord for 300 minutes. It doesn't say he walked with the Lord 300 months. It says he walked with the Lord, he fellowshiped with the Lord, he communed with the Lord for 300 years. You have to stop the train and you have to go, man, this is a big deal because this is the first time that anything like this is said. He walked with God. We have so much that's not said. What did that look like? You know, what was that like? Don't you want to know? Aren't you interested? Curious? He's an amazing man. He's only one of two men that did not die a physical death. The others recorded in 2 Kings chapter 2, and his name was Elijah. Y'all scare me. His name was? Thank you. <laughs> That's better. I want to read the verses that are connected to him in his life. There's a couple of Old Testament references to Enoch that are just references. There's not a lot of detail there. But th these are the passages that I want us to concentrate on today and next week. It says, Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah. He had other sons and other daughters. By the way, who's watching Enoch? his sons and his daughters. Now we're going to come back to that next week when we talk about generations a little further. Verse 24, Enoch walked with God. 
and was not, for God took him. So that's what we have from the book of Genesis. Well then, if you take your Bibles and you go to Hebrews chapter 11, we have more about this man. Hebrews chapter 11. You know, men have cheap heroes today. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but oh well. (laughs) They do. When we speak of the heroes of the faith, they aren't cheap. You take one of them, like Abraham. What did the Lord tell Abraham to do? Get up and do what? Go. What did he do? He did what God said. He walked by faith. You know what people are doing today in our culture? Walking by sight. The church, in my opinion, is doing a little of that. Walking by sight. Oh, this disturbs me. Oh, this bothers me. Oh, I don't know what's going to go on here. I'm not sure about the future. Are we kidding? We walk by faith. We don't walk by sight. We say, Lord, I trust you. I believe you. I believe what your word says about the fact that you are coming again. And you're going to take me out of this world. You believe that? In fact, the names, I won't mention any, but the names of some of the heroes today for our young people, just pathetic. There's no moral compass with these people. They're in Hollywood, they're on courts, they're on fields. And young people today are taking their phones, what I do my phones, and they're looking at everything there. Do you know that? Their heroes are being built in. You may not even be aware of who they are. This is a wonderful chapter. Heroes of the faith. Before we read chapter 11 verses 5 and 6, I want you to see this. Verse 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things what? Not seen. For by it men of old gained approval. That's a big statement in verse 2. For by it, what's it? Faith. For by faith men of old gained approval. You know what needs to accompany our walk every day? Faith. We sang a song when I was in youth group, and I, I, I love it. I had never heard that song before, before I came to Springville Road in 1996. We sang it all the time in youth group. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we're going to trust in the name of the Lord our God. Amen?
that daily faith and that daily trust is being challenged today as it relates to the Lord. There's a whole lot of trust being put in a whole lot of things and not God. And so when I read this, it says, For by faith men of old gained approval. What pleases the Lord? Faith. Hey, look, we live in a culture of sight. So visual. You know, I mean, when I was in school, we didn't do PowerPoints. I had a three-by-five card, and Dr. Talley was like, that's all you can bring in the pulpit. Look at all this paper I have now. I mean, everything's visual now. We wake up, we're looking at our phones. We go to bed, and we're what? Looking at our phones. Everything's visual. Guys, one day, because of our faith, the Bible says that we are going to see the Lord, what? See the Lord face to face in all his glory. So until then, what are we doing? Walking by faith. Look what it says in verses 5 and 6. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. <laughs> what must that have been like? Like you just so many fill in the blanks here. His sons, his daughters, hey, where's, where's dad? You ever thought about that? Where's grandpa? Um, y'all seen him? There's a sense that you and I don't taste death. We, we don't. We will die physically. But what does the Bible tell us? Absent from the body, immediately what? Present with the Lord. The Lord paid that. He overcame death. The Bible tells us here that Enoch did not see death. And look what it says. And he was not found because God took him. <laughs> so it implies he was being looked for. He wasn't found. God took him. For he obtained the witness, and we're going to talk more about that next week, that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And then there's a passage, and we'll spend a good amount of time on this one and this next one next week. He appears in the book of Jude. It's a quote from a non-canonical source, the book of Enoch. But it's in what we have as the scriptures, which is not a problem. We'll talk about that more next week. Notice what it says. It was also about these men that Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all. I want you to notice the repetition of a word four times here. And to convict all the what? Ungodly. Of all their ungodly deeds, which they have done in an ungodly way. And of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. 
Enoch was a preacher of the future. He prophesied. And we know from the scriptures what's going to take place in terms of the second coming of Christ and the judgment that will happen. But there was also, interesting to think about, remember Enoch is before Noah. There was also coming what? Upon the generation then, the Bible tells us that Noah was instructed to build an ark. What was the condition of man at the time? They were doing great, weren't they? They weren't doing so good. Enoch was a preacher. And you know what his theme was? Ungodliness. He would fit right on in today, wouldn't he? Well, this is a good place to stop. I've got something that I want you to listen to just briefly. F.B. Meyer writes this. The the daily walk of the Christian is absolutely important because it is our witness to the world. So if, let's just pretend that you've come in here this morning and you haven't thought about your walk with the Lord in, oh, 10 years or 15 years or five years. What F.B. Meyer is saying is that the daily walk of the Christian is essential because it's a witness to the people we come in contact with, like this week, like this season. Because you think about what Paul writes just by way of example in Thessalonians, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And an unbeliever, as you're giving thanks for something that's just like way outside, right, the border, they're going, what's wrong with you? Why are you rejoicing? You are freaks. You're weird. That's right. That's right. My life says I'm thankful because I know the Lord's in control. My life says I can rejoice in all things because I know the Lord is in control. Right? I have that assurance. And so that's what F.B. Meyer is saying. He says this, our character as exemplified in our behavior, is the world's Bible and sermon. We must learn to walk, he says, so as to please God. There is a hymn in this old hymnal. It's the old hymnal, Faith Chapel of Huffman. I attended that church under Pastor George Morange. For a season. There is a hymn in this book that, in fact, is argued about as to um, when it was written, and it's the hymn, Just a Closer Walk with Me. Do you know that? There's a little bit of controversy around that hymn. But nonetheless, minus the controversy, listen to the message. I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, 
keep me from all wrong. That's a good prayer. By the way, people think eloquency, you know, I got to have this prayer that's 30 minutes long. When Peter's sinking, what did he say? Lord, save me. That's a pretty quick prayer. Lord, save me. I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as long as I walk. Let me walk close to thee. Whew. You know what's needed to happen over this last year and a half? This. Through this world of toil and snares, if I falter, Lord, who cares? Who with me my burden shares? None but thee, Lord, none but thee. Listen to me. We're always wanting people, and this is just true because we're human, we want people to notice our burdens. They don't always do that. But you know one who knows all your burdens? The Lord when my feeble life is o'er, time for me will be no more. Guide me gently, safely, or to thy kingdom, shore, to thy shore. And the chorus goes like this. Just a closer walk with thee, granted, Jesus is my plea. Daily, daily, walking close to thee, let it be, dear Lord, let it be. You can learn a lot from hymns. I know you young people listen. I know you all like the praise and worship. And I like it too. But I'm going to tell you something. I have a little book you can come to my office and borrow anytime you want to. And it's a little book about the history of hymns. You know what the church needs to do instead of boring over hymns and praise music? Look at the stories. There's value in the reason that people write the praise and worship hymns. Right? A lot of times they're thrown out there. The history of them is not known. You know, the, 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 the song that's pretty, is pretty recent song, Scars in Heaven, there's a story behind that. You know, a lot of the pain and the suffering come through the songs, through the hymns. Just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus, it's my plea. Guys, as we go through this series, of which I don't know how that's going to unfold, but he does, I'm praying that we're going to learn from people like Enoch, which we will finish him next week. So I trust you'll come and finish it with me after you have your turkey and your dressing and your canned cranberry sauce. All right. Let's pray together. <coughs> Lord... Um, I'd like to confess publicly that I need a closer walk with thee. I mean, I have a walk with you, Lord, but I know one of the biggest frustrations in my life, I think it's just natural that as we get older in you, the frustration of inconsistency at times comes up and we, we just wish we were more consistent. But I found that when I'm trusting in my own strength, that things aren't going well. Lord, I'm thankful that we've been reminded this morning that if we belong to you, the Spirit of God indwells us and helps us in all of our insufficiencies. Lord, as this character is unfolded before us, as we take a look 
next week at what was his walk like? What do we know about him? There's a lot there to consider because he had an impact. He made an imprint. His imprint was left. And Lord, I pray that for us, as we even this week have opportunity to be with our family and our friends, that we would remember that all of us that belong to you are an example to others. We are really, in essence, all the day long preaching a sermon. Help us, Lord, to be faithful. Help us to be faithful, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, come on. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to forget you. He makes promises he sometimes forgets. <laughs> Ask Teresa, I guess. <laughs> anyway, he, he said I could have just a couple of minutes. Um, great topic, walking with the Lord, and that walking is an active thing. It's not sitting with the Lord necessarily. Um, if you remember last year, those of you who were here, we had the opportunity to be active in that. Um, James tells us, James chapter 1, that true religion, true and pure religion, is remembering the orphans and the widows and their, their difficulties. And so last Christmas, we had the opportunity to sponsor a number of orphan kids in Uganda. Um, this year, we're doing the same thing. There's uh, out in the lobby now uh, a display board set up with photographs on the table of the children. You can sign up to support them for Christmas. Um, we're uh, proposing $100 per child, uh, as well as the, the director and the lady that helps run the orphanage. They're not very well off. It's very expensive for them to be there. But $100 would not buy toys for the kids. It'll buy clothes and shoes and other necessities of life that they don't get any other way. So we'd ask you to stop by there and pick a child. If you can support them, um, uh, we would appreciate it. Uh, they were snapped up very quickly last year. I expect they will be this year as well. One other short thing about the orphanage. Um, they've been notified that they're being kicked out of the property and building that they're currently in at the end of December. They're working on trying to wait, raise funds to purchase some other property that will be their own that they can use. It's a large sum of money that they need. Property, even over there, is crazy right now. And they're talking between twenty dollars and $30,000. If you would like to help with that, somebody will be out there you could talk to as well. Um, just Glad to have the opportunity to present it to you, and uh, the kids will appreciate it as well. Thank you. As y'all can remain seated uh, as we close our service, um, Thanksgiving week, right? We thought it'd be fitting to just kind of sing this song as a, uh, a prayer uh, over you as a congregation. You're welcome to sing along with us if you know it's called The Blessing.
salvation upon be gracious to you Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace
Amen. Thanks for the benediction. Uh, going into a very, very important week this week, Thanksgiving week, and we started off with the service talking about even in those mundane, mundane things in life, we need to be thankful. Even in those tough times in life, we need to be thankful. We've got some people going through some really tough times in our family here, and we need to be praying for each other, but we need to be thankful for all that God does for us. And so hopefully we can uh, look forward to that. Would uh, like to ask you, and I hope you don't mind, uh, but uh, Thad's going to start some um, a therapy on his vocal cords this week. You know, he's been struggling with that. So let's be in prayer for, for the doctors. And, uh, of course, we know God's able, and he can, just, he can just do it, get those vocal cords going good, but, uh, but be, uh, be praying for, for Thad during that, that week. Also, be praying for those that are, um, you know, shut in and can't get out and be with family like they would like to, like many of us are going to be doing. So let's, let's be thankful for that as well and be prayerful for that. Uh, as a matter of fact, let's just have a word of prayer, but then we're not going to be dismissed right then. Uh, we've got a, one more thing we want to do, but let's have a word of prayer, okay? Father, I just want to thank you, Lord, for this uh, wonderful time with our church family that we have. God, that you've uh, allowed us to be a part of. And, Lord, we know that you're here and that you're, uh, you're listening. And, Father, we pray that as we leave here today, God, that you, that you will know that you have been worshipped and you have been glorified. Father, we are looking forward to this week, Lord, that we kind of emphasize being thankful and help us to uh, be thankful in all things, no matter what happens. Lord, we also want to just especially pray for our pastor, Thad, as, uh, as the, uh, the therapist, start uh, working with him on that to strengthen him, Father. We know that uh, he's not going to give up and he's not going to, he's going to keep on going no matter what happens with these vocal cords, Lord. But, look, Father, we just pray that you would just uh, touch his his vocal cords, Lord, and help those to be restored back to where he can so he continue to preach the word as he always does. And, God, we just want to uh, be with him. And, Father, we pray for our families as we all get together. Lord, and also as, uh, especially those that are shut in and can't get with their families like they would like to, like they used to. Father, just uh, draw close to them and just uh, know that we all love them. We are all part of their family. And so, Lord, we just ask you that this would just be a special week as we uh, come together with our families and the different things that we do. So, Lord, we just thank you, and we just praise you this morning. These things we pray in your Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, before we leave today, we've got something, just one, one other thing we want to share with you. We know that this is a busy week for everybody. Uh, ladies, how many of you are going to be cooking for Thanksgiving? How many of you? Yeah, because a lot of you and everything I know that at home, Denise, is, she's already getting stuff together and getting, and then, you know, it's this, you're getting the decorations and all that kind of stuff up. You want everything to be just perfect for your family coming in, right? That's just what you want to do. Well, we thought that, I mean, we are the church, you know, and we're supposed to try to help each other. And so that's what we want to do. We want to help you through this week uh, to be able to, to prepare for, for what's ahead. And so um, right now, we're going to show you a little video here, and we just hope that this will be helpful to you, uh, especially your ladies who cook. And we know, guys, sometimes we have something, you know, we get to cut the turkey or the ham, whatever. It's because bo little boys like playing with knives, and so that's kind of what our thing, thing is. And uh, also, and we like to burn things, too, so sometimes we get to cook on the grill, too. But, um, but anyway, so uh, anyway, we just want you to, uh, we just want to share this with you. And hopefully it's going to be helpful to, to all of you. So uh, 
Uh, Van, let's go ahead and start the video here. And then, then what's you'll up, be fans? Dismissed. Josh Malosh 21 here, and today I'm going to be bringing you some quick and easy Thanksgiving hacks. All right, so let's dive in. We all know it's fall, and fall comes with fall decor. But guess what? You don't have to go to any fancy arts and crafts store. No, instead, go in your backyard, grab some leaves. Take this thing, open up, get a handful, and just sprinkle them all over your wonderful table. Hold up. These kind of smell. Oh, I think the dog got into these. Uh, for you, make sure you grab some clean leaves. Oh, no. Josh, what are you doing down there? Uh, nothing, Mom. Just making a video. You better not be messing up my house. I'm going to clean these up real quick. So next up, you want to make your cheese tray. But you don't have one of those really cool cheese slicers. No problem. I know y'all got some of this. Dental floss. Open up this thing, grab out a nice long strand of floss, and begin to slice and dice. Oh. Uh, hold up. It's not as easy as I thought. Oh. Boom. There we go. Oh. Slice. Oh, slice and dice. Hey, Tabby, is that you? Come here quick. Here, here. Try this. Oh, this cheese tastes like mint. It's good, huh? All right, so with Thanksgiving, you're cooking a lot of veggies, right? And you might not have all the time that you think to get that done. Well, check this out. Why not use your trusty dishwasher? As you can see here, I put my peeled carrots and potatoes here on this top rack. So we're just gonna close this thing up, run it on normal, wait for just a little bit, and we're gonna have some soft, cooked, delicious veggies. We'll check back in just a little bit to see what we got. All right, the dishwasher's done. Let's see what we got. Oh, oh my, no, 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 you don't need to see that. You don't need to see that. All right, pro tip, maybe throw your veggies in a glass container or something so you don't end up with a carrot and potato smoothie. So Thanksgiving means turkey, right? But maybe your oven's already full of a bunch of other stuff. No problem, check this out. Just throw the whole bird on the grill. Close the lid, turn it on high. I mean, cause it's like a 16 pound bird, right? Set it, forget about it, and we'll check on this later. All right, it is time for dessert. And we're gonna make some pie crust. But uh oh, someone's using your rolling pin to make cookies. No problem, just grab a bottle of sparkling cider or juice. Let's roll it out. It's kind of tough, though. Mom? Hey, hey, hey. I'm good. We're good. Everything's just fine. Let's go check on the turkey. All right, so our turkey should almost be done. Let's check it out. Oh, no, no, no. Whoa, 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 whoa. All right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed these Thanksgiving hacks. I know I'll be using them. This is Josh Malosh 21, over and out. Dear God, we thank you for this beautiful day. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful family and this delicious food. God, we love you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, who's hungry? Looks good, huh? <laughs> <laughs>